And now open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And I'm going to read and pray. And we're going to try and get some, some scriptures under our belt today. And if you're new to South Beach Church and new to the study of Luke, we're, we're going through this book, so this book will go through us. We believe Luke wrote this book with the intention of encouraging us to do what we know to do anyways and instructing us on how to do it and giving us the anchors and footholds and power that is in Jesus to be disciples and to live on purpose, not being tossed to and fro with everything that comes your way or my way. I just want to be focused during my life. I want to be on fire. I want to be intentional. You don't need to raise your hand, but I want to be right. Anybody else want to be right? Like you wake up every, every day, you wake up, you're like, Lord, help me not to be wrong or say something stupid. Amen. You know, like just kind of just cover all the bases. And when we get into God's word, Luke wrote this epistle for us, this gospel, a narrative, a story of all that Jesus did and of all that God is so that we might know who we are and what we're supposed to do. It's very simple. It's very simple. But if you're like me, you get distracted. You're kind of like Dory, Finding Dory. You guys see that movie? Just get distracted by every little thing. Oh, I'm over here. How are you doing? You know, you just forget what you're doing. So when you come to church and get in the book, it just reminds you, oh, yeah, darn it. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's good stuff right there. And God's going to do just that today. So I'm going to read and then pray. Let's get, let's get to work. It says, verse 25, this is the story of Jesus' birth and his presentation at the temple. It says, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. This guy is legit. Verse 26 says, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Oh, man, can you imagine having that? instruction on your life, you will see the Messiah before you die. Now we here are instructed to look for the return of the Messiah until we die. We have no guarantee that he will return upon our lifespan, but we've all been instructed to live just like this dude, looking for Jesus daily. Is today the day? Is today the day? Today might be the day. This guy was told by the Holy Spirit, you're not going to die until it happens. Man, that's what afforded him the ability to be those two things, just, okay, that means normal, that means balanced, that means practical, he's just, very balanced, but he also was devout, devoted, spiritual, tuned in. One of those guys you could call upon at any minute to both help you start your lawnmower, but also pray for your sick kid. He could do both, this guy. He was focused because he had Jesus on the forefront of his mind. I could talk about that all day. When I have Jesus on the forefront of my mind, when I really do, not only am I practical in nature, helping people, just being a normal guy, a friend, a brother, a, a good son to my parents, just a normal dude, but I'm also very aware of the spiritual, and I can minister to people and understand things as God sees them. When, when Jesus is on the forefront of my mind, when he's not on the forefront of my mind, who knows what you're going to get? You know what I'm saying? It depends on how much caffeine you've had that day, right? Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He had been revealed that he would see the Lord. Well, so verse 27, he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to uh, do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God. He just grabbed this little tyke, 40-day-old Jesus, snatches him out of these hippies' hands, 
And he says in verse 29, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart or die in peace. He was old. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. A light, this is his declaration of Jesus, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. What? Then he looks at Mary and Joseph. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. They're these two dusty peasant hippies from Nazareth. Then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, his mother, that's Jesus' mother, behold, this child is, and at that point, just stop and just go with there with me. A guy's going to tell you, oh, you got a baby boy. Oh, you're going to love him. It's going to be so sweet. Just this blessing. Simeon, I bet you, took his breath in and said, hey, I don't even know if you know what's going to happen. I don't know if you really understand, Mare Mare. I need you to get it, though, because I love you and God loves you. And he began to then speak truth to her. Not just the happy, fuzzy, puppy dog tails and rainbow message we love to hear. But he said, hey, I gotta tell you the truth. I'm so thankful for Simeon. Not only was Jesus the salvation of the world and the revelation and the light in the Gentiles, but he looks at Mary and he says, behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. And yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now, Mary may have grabbed Jesus back and said a simple congratulations would have done, you know. Simple congratulations is what most people do. Like, you know, why, why are you getting in my grill, bro? This Jesus is destined for the rising of many. That's good. And for the falling of many. What? And not just that, Mary, but your heart will be devastated. Whoa. Those are some big words on Jesus' 40th day of consecration there at the temple from this olden dude filled with the Holy Spirit who had peace. Peace in everything he said. Peace, he said, I can die now. I know the truth. I've seen the Messiah. And he began to speak these flowery words. Next verse says, now there was one, Anna. Hannah in the Hebrew, Anna in the Greek, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. And she was of great age too, super old chick, number two. And she had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. She got married and then was married for seven years. And then it says the woman was a widow, verse 37, of about 84 years. So her husband died after seven years of marriage until she was at least 84 years of age in totality. Or we're not sure she lived 84 years after the death of her husband, which would make her around 106 plus. Either way, she's old. She's a widow. And it says that while she be 84 years old or the widow of 84 years, she did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. This gal, followed by this guy. I love Luke, the writer. He just inserts these two stories that are unique to his gospel in his interviewing and eyewitness accounts. Luke's like, what, Simeon, Anna? That story needs to be in there. That's some good stuff right there. These two old people who were faithful and who were used. Verse 38, it says this, and coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Simeon's got this baby in his hand, prophesying of who he would become, prophesying to Mary of what it would cost. Anna cruises in, sees baby Jesus, starts to be thankful for him and declare about him. And the whole thing, man, the whole thing 
is God demonstrating to Mary and Joseph then and to us now the faithfulness of God to do and be good through all things and the faithfulness of Simeon, the faithfulness of Anna, the faithfulness of Mary, the faithfulness of Joseph, and as the story continues, the faithfulness of Jesus. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you right now need some encouragement, instruction, help, power to be faithful in what God's called you to do? I just want to be faithful. I just want to be faithful. I don't want to drop the line. I want to toe the line. I don't want to blow it here. I don't want to misstep. I don't want to get disqualified. I don't want to break stride. I want to be faithful. That should be your prayer. That should be your heart's desire in, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your singleness. That should be your heart's desire. I want to be faithful. Life is so short and soon will pass and everything and only those things done for Christ will last. Sounds good to me. Let's do it. Lord, would you make me faithful? The Bible says that faithfulness, faith, being filled with faith comes by hearing God's word. Hearing it and saying, oh, oh, interesting. I I like that. I'd like to apply that. I'd like to see that. The next story goes on. I'm just going to look at it and pretend to read it to you and then pray. So because I don't have time to read it, we'll get to it today. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? I could keep reading, but we're going to try and get there in in due season. Father, in Jesus' name now, as we study your word, we pray that it would indeed reveal who you are and what you've done. And that we would just be mind blown. We would be just mind blown. And that through that, Lord, we would find ourselves directed and corrected, instructed, rebuked and encouraged and edified and built up. Every man or woman here, Lord, every child, everyone here would say, wow, God is it. He is right. I need him. And we would just have that conclusion. And then you, Lord, would use us for whatever your intention is. Lord, I'm so fearful of accomplishing my own ways of accomplishing my own desires. I've done it, and I don't want it. It's not fun, it's not worth it, it's not affordable. But your ways and your desires are life-giving and bring you glory. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, like that little baby in the back, we just surrender to you, Abba Father. Lord, bless us now. Heal hearts even in this room. May this time be so transformational. May it be so, Lord, applicable. May there be absolute grace in this house today for freedom's sake you set us free may may the household of god be set free free to know you and hear you and serve you and love you and then free to serve the people that we are around we love you so much jesus i need your help now pray that you would use my tongue for your glory and in your ways in jesus name amen i'll tell you what luke Luke is wanting to encourage us in the reality of who God is and what he's done because once you figure out who God is and what he's done, I'm not messing with you. Once you really taste and see that the Lord is good, you are in it to win it, okay? You're not just a fair weather follower. You are a, a disciple. You're learning who God is and then living for him. Discipleship, I wanna know who God is. And as you really understand, it doesn't mean this though. It doesn't mean life's gonna be easy for you, Okay? It doesn't mean things are going to get even better for you. Jesus once in John 6 spoke to his followers and disciples. There were two followers, groups, and disciples, two different groups, fair-weather followers and disciples. And he spoke to them a controversial message. You've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood if you want to have anything to do with me. And everyone thought, well, I'm pretty sure cannibalism is uh, gross and illegal And no, we don't understand you. And we're not going to try and understand you. We're just going to reject you. And they left. And Jesus looked at the 12 and said, you guys, now is a great opportunity. This would be a great off-ramp for you guys. 
Okay, I won't even be offended. You guys can leave too. And they said, no, we don't. This is a hard saying, but we, we, you have the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? And we have come to realize that you are both the Christ and the Son of the living God. We believe and know this to our hearts. And when you truly understand who God is, it doesn't make everything easy and even understandable, but it helps you stay the course. It helps you stay on task. And that's what Luke is trying to bring to us in this study of the entirety of Jesus that we might know for certain what we're to be about and what we're to do and that we would have an anchor for our soul. As a matter of fact, the writer of the book of Hebrews in verse 19 of chapter 6 says, this hope, that is the hope of Christ, the hope of God and what he's done and who he is, this hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, in which enters the presence behind the veil. We have this hope, it's an anchor. We're on the coast, we understand anchors, okay? Anchors are very important to boats and vessels. If you've ever been in the middle of a lake in a little boat, a little craft, a two-man guy, and you just want to sit there in the middle and not drift, you better drop an anchor, because otherwise you're going to drift. You're, you're going to drift. And anchors are provided that we wouldn't drift off course, that we wouldn't deviate from where we're supposed to be. The Bible says that God and who he is and what he's done is an anchor, because guess what happens if you don't have that anchor of Christ? Yeah, you're going to drift. Anybody ever drifted in your life? You pretty soon like, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know, who are you? Get out of my house, you know. Uh, we, ah! Anchors not just keep us on course from drifting, they help us avoid wreckage. Not just drifting off course, that's damaging. But there's certain things that get in the way. Better drop anchor, we're gonna run into that thing. And anchors help us stay away from that which would wreck us. Don't raise your hand again, but how many of you have wrecked your life? A time or two. It's because you weren't anchored to, to Jesus, to the truth. He just says, I'm just going to let her run. We're going to figure this out. I've done it. Been there. Hey, here's the deal. When you know who God is, you're, and again, let me just say it again. Let me say it again. You would imagine, once I know who God is, then it's going to be easy sailing and, so, and simple weather. No, no. God says, I'm going to throw you an anchor because it's going to get nuts. You're going to be tempted both to wreck and drift. So I'm going to give you an anchor. That's the whole point. I'm going to give you an anchor, a rudder, a sail. I'm going to give you everything that you need. Because the devil, he wants to take you off course, just away from the Lord a little bit, just a little deviation. That's what he wants. That's what he wants for me. He wants to wreck you into things as well, taken out by various sins and distractions. But God has sent his son Jesus to give you an anchor. And this is what he's wanting us to understand. So Luke is showing us the story of Jesus so we would know God. And once you rightly know God, you're going to absolutely love God. And once you love God, you'll without hesitation want to serve God. To, to know God equals to love God. And to love God will translate into serving God. And we study the word, we know it, we know him, we see him and we fall in love deeper and falling in love deeper is where he wants us because that will then translate into fruit. So let's study it out now. That was kind of just priming the pump for this study and application and it says in verse 25, let's rip through some of these verses together this morning and behold, I like the way Luke writes, ah, there was a man. In Jerusalem, whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And behold, there was a man. Did you know something? There always, in God's economy and plan, will be a man. And in this story, a, a woman too. 
a man or a woman. God will always have what the Bible says, a remnant. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the storm, God will raise up men and women to be ready, to toe the line, to stand there waiting for their cues, old and young alike, to bid his doing. Let me ask you this question. Do you want to be that man? Do you want to be that woman? Do, do you want to be? Is that your heart's cry, cry? Is that your prayer? Lord, I just want to, man, you guys all realize you don't deserve life at all, right? You figured that out? When you were conceived, that wasn't your, you know, okay, I'll participate, I guess. You, you don't know. You just, it had, God chose you and gave you your life. And your life now, the free will and God's sovereignty, you can look to God and say, oh, I, 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 I want to be your man. I don't want to be my idol. I want to be your woman. And if you have that heart's cry, you can learn from Simeon and you can learn from Anna because they were both there for God's purposes. Here's the deal, though. God used them through the devotion that they had because both Simeon and Anna had huge dedication to the Lord and to his work. They were sold out for him. Therefore, they were set up to be used by him. And I would just encourage you, old men and women and young men and women. Are there any? Any young people here today? Couple, couple. They, devote yourself to him. Want to be used, but set yourself up in a position. That's why we study this, that you might be anchored and directed like Simeon. Well, this guy was there waiting. It says that he was just and devout, verse 25. He was old. That didn't mean he couldn't be used. As a matter of fact, he was probably more usable. He, he was old in years, but he was fresh in faith. I just need you to catch this. How, how did he stay focused? How, how did he stay anchored and directed? And how do you stay focused, anchored, and directed in all of the things that are against you? I'll tell you what. Number one, he had a promise from God, and so do you. Simeon knew the promises of God. I wonder, do you? The promises of God. Do you know what God's doing right now? Are you, I mean, there's so many, I talk to so many people that wonder, and they have no clue what's happening next, or that anything's happening at all, and I think, well, that's got to be tough. You gotta know the promises of God and what he's doing. He, knows, he knew the word of God. He also knew the voice of God. It says here in verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. What? And this guy was tuned in. He had heard God's voice. He had set himself apart and realized, whoa, okay, 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 that's from the Lord. I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna walk in that. And God's gonna hold up his end of the bargain because that's what God does. He'll provide a lamb, but I gotta do my end of the bargain how am I, I'm going to see the Messiah before I die, okay? That means I need to open my eyes. That means I need to show up. That means I need to be dedicated. Sometimes in our, our overzealous approach to the sovereignty of God, our overly developed Calvinist thinking at times, well, if God's going to do it, he's going to do it. He doesn't need my help. And if God needs me, he'll get a hold of me. And I'll be at the bar, you know, <laughs> He's got my number, you know, whatever, you know. He, he knows where to get me, you know. It's like, well, God said what he's going to do. He's, it's, the, it's moving, and he's invited you to participate and to cooperate. He's invited you to, to get in, and, and it's just this crazy spin out if you're not anchored. Well, he knew the voice of God. He'd heard it, and therefore, because he knew the promises of God, the word, he knew the voice of God, the spirit, therefore, he got to know the son of God, Jesus, Simeon, this man, this guy, old guys. And I, I just like how Luke, just, I'm just going to rabbit trail on this quickly because it's right here. Back to back, Luke includes two stories that are not included elsewhere and that were real. They actually happened. An old guy and an old gal. And Luke emphasizes that 
because it happened, number one. But in our day, and maybe I'm wrong in my understanding, but it seems like there's more emphasis on the younger generation in a lot of things than there is the older generation. It just seems there's more afforded to younger people in, in any kind of field, and it's just kind of a stereotype, not true, okay? It's not true, it's not, not, not accurate, but that's the stereotype, and Luke says, oh yeah? Let me just show you what old guys and old gals can do. Let me just show you that you're not done, that if you do have a pulse, you've got a purpose, that if you do have the will to surrender to God's will, I'll use you, that you're not outdone and outgunned and outnumbered. You might be outnumbered in years. You have more years than us, but you're not done or out to pasture. I just think it's encouraging for some of the older folks to read this and to study this, these two guys and gals in their plight, in their life. The opening story of the arrival of God to planet Earth includes two old people. And I'm not old yet, in case you're deceived, okay? (laughs) But I'm older than I was when I started. I'm 38, getting older. And I'm not even that old yet, but I'm starting to enjoy getting older. Like, I don't know if I'm just exhausted and getting weird, you know, but I'm just kind of, hey, I'm just kind of enjoying getting older. Like, that's kind of nice, a little slower pace, a little bit, you know. Now I'm not at 175%, I'm at 160%. I'm slowing down for me, you know. And I'm just kind of enjoying getting older. But there is this false presentation from the world that says, you might have missed it. You might be done. You don't have anything to offer. That's the Lord's choice. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And with that purpose comes much power. And the common denominator between these two is the power of prayer and intercession and service. And I would just say, don't believe the hype. You older people, and some of you are real old, just look around. (laughs) We're talking antiques. You know what I mean? You're, You're laughing. I'm not laughing. It's not funny. It's funny. Can you still pray? Can you, can you really still pray? Well, I can't sing. I can't lead. They won't follow me. Can you pray? Benny Chestnut over here, he's 145 years old. <laughs> and, and I'm not going to embarrass him too much, but I know Benny's prayer life. He prays. Comes to this church before the birds get up in the morning. Not, not every day, but often by himself. He's told me it's easier to pray here than it is in my house in my bed with covers over my head, you know? It's easier. He gets out of bed. He's, I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go pray. I'm going to live out my days pressing into the kingdom. And what happened to this guy, Simeon? Shows up to church, gets to see baby Jesus. Prophesies to Mary and Joseph. Gets chronicled in the gospel of Luke. Old man Simeon. It's awesome. God is never too far that he cannot use you in your situation. Whether you're too young, the Bible says, oh, don't let anybody despise your youth. Or you're too old, don't believe it. Do some damage to the kingdom of darkness while you're here. Pray those gates of Hades back. Pray hell empty. Pray heaven full. (sighs) Simeon stayed focused because of his hope, his prayer life. He knew what he was living for. I'll tell you what, this isn't just for old people. This is for everybody. Simeon stayed focused because God had revealed to him that you're going to see me. I'm going to show up one day. There is a wrong thought process, and maybe this is yours, and I'll just 
share with you and just from my heart. A lot of people say, I can't wait to die to see the Lord. Okay? I can, I can understand. But I don't think you really live until you live to see the Lord. You didn't even live. I can't wait to die to see the Lord too. But the Lord would say, why don't you live to see me? Why don't you live with that hope? Why don't you go to Starbucks and Fred Myers and South Beach Church in the morning, get a code to get in early in prayer, go to a discipleship group, go to that meeting, go, get up, seek me in the morning, old and young alike, man and woman, and you will find me. Well, I know I'm gonna meet you when I die. When I see, I'll see you face to face. True. What if there's glory to be had here? What if there's more? By keeping out the things of the world, Repenting, saying no to that stuff that will distract you and destroy you. Anchor in. And these guys, I don't even, I look at Simeon and Anna and I think, wow, I'm impressed. I'm impressed that they in their singleness and in their devastation, a widow, we'll talk about her in a minute, she chose to continue steadfastly after the Lord. Simeon lived to see God. He didn't just wait to die to see God. Not only that, how did he stay motivated? He was sensitive. It says in verse 27 that the spirit spoke to him and told him to go to the temple that day. That's kind of cool. That day. Every day he'd go, but he said, this is the day, bro. Like, don't miss it. Today, when you see what you see, you're seeing the Messiah. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And he walked in, anticipating. Saw the baby. He was also not just sensitive. He was flexible. I guarantee you, when he saw the baby, he's like, not how I imagined it. That wasn't what I was expecting, but give him to me right now. I'm going to pray, you know. He was probably imagining some regal display of magnificence and messiahship, you know, something we would envision, kind of a Rambo-looking Jesus, you know. Instead, it's a little baby with some poor parents, like, oh, interesting. He's flexible, sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And I would just ask you to pray for yourself to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But I just want to listen. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice. I often ask the Lord to speak loud because I'm kind of deaf. Well, I can't, I can't hear so good, but I want to. And if you position yourself to hear through his word, through fellowship, asking people, God speaks in a lot of different ways. Primarily his word, you know that? Primarily his word, it, it, just, it tells you what <laughs> doesn't deviate. Okay, we don't always like what it has to say, but it's going to say what you need to hear. It'll just say it. He also speaks through his spirit, through what I call heavy thoughts. Just like, wow, that was a heavy thought. I wonder if that was from the Lord. Well, it's going to line up with Scripture. Okay, it's going to line up. And then he also speaks through his body, through his bride, just like God speaks to me through my bride, my wife, when I talk to her in humility and ask her her opinion. More often than not, if not all the time, God will use her because he grants that mercy and speak to me. And so too, God uses the body, his bride. And when you ask the word, ah, that's what it says. I don't know, I better get a confirmation here. And Lord, I can And then you, and the Lord, he speaks to you sensitive he was sensitive that's how he stayed focused not distracted not destroyed i like this old guy look, look at him in verse 28 this guy's so crazy i could build a whole text here but i would go uh, a little bit off course it says he took him up in his arms and blessed god so he grabs little baby jesus and he starts doing sunday school ministry okay he's not too old to do a child care he's at the temple at church he's like let me give that kid he needs a diaper change i'll do it and i would just say this along with the spiritual commitment to God in prayer and supplication and waiting on the Lord, you're not ever too old to help at Sunday school. You're not ever too old to help somebody younger than you. We actually need helpers in the Sunday school right now. 
qualified men and women to show up and do this. Love them in Jesus' name. To just love them in Jesus' name. To just love them in Jesus' name. We, we provide all the curriculum, all the training. You show up, the classes there. We email everything. Super easy. We need people right now at the 9 and the 11 and 6. We're actually in a deficit for teachers, young and old alike. I'm not even messing with you. It's a, it's a problem. So I need you old people to pray that that problem would be handled. And I need all of you to consider, hey, maybe I should do that just for three months. Okay, I'm going on vacation in July. I can't help then. Okay, fine. You're fired. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just do, help us out. And I'll tell you what, I've been thinking about Sunday school because it's on our mind as leadership. And part of me wishes that I didn't have to teach you guys. Part of me. Because being up there teaching those little kiddos about Jesus and all that they have ahead of them, and if they can get Jesus at a young age, if I can pour into them, and if I can pastor them, it's not a burden to teach kiddos. It's a blessing to pour into them and the light of fire under them and then watch eternity change. Okay, you could be a part of that. Simeon's like, let me, let, me, let me have a crack at it. Give that kid to me. I know I'm old. Give him to me. And he'd be, Sunday school right here. Well, pray about that, please. Okay, we have some applications floating around. You can fill out an application today and just, just pray about it. Look at what he says, though. He goes into this prayer now. He says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Man, I'll tell you what. He had found Jesus in the temple he had lived in the expectation of meeting God. And now when he found him, first thing out of his mouth, I can die in peace now. Not just because God's word has been fulfilled, but because I have all my questions answered. Don't raise your hand. But a lot of people fear death. They really do. I was recently talking with Carol Corwin. She had surgery a couple weeks ago on her cancer. And she's more comfortable now because they re removed some of the masses. So she's in better health, but there's still growth anywhere from six months to six years to a complete healing. Don't know. But she's always been afraid of death. Just something she didn't want to deal with. But in recent days, she said, I'm not, I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid. I don't, I, don't, I don't have fear. I have peace. I have peace. I can depart in peace. You want that peace. Because when you can depart in peace, you can also live in peace. You can live in peace. God wants that for you today. And it comes through Jesus, through knowing him, holding him dear. Man, the Bible declares to you and to me that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When we depart, okay, we are instantaneously, last breath on earth as believers, first breath with the Lord. That should give you peace today. Oh, and I'm only 38. I'm still just a young pup. But I realize my days are numbered. Even if I go to the end, my days are numbered and it is coming like a train on time. Okay? No one's going to miss their appointment or be late or early. It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. There's an appointment with your name. It's all scheduled. It's all calendared out. All of it. Every single person. All of it. That brings me peace. Oh, cool. <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. Good. And if you can depart in peace, you can live in peace. And you can battle your battles in peace. On Thursday, Janet Seavers, our sister, she battled until she did take her last breath, went to be with Jesus on Thursday. And she battled in peace. She used to sit right back there, right where Bruce is sitting. Her health started to fail. She'd watch the streams online, Jim and Janet Seavers. 
And when I would go visit her and talk with her and be with her family, it was sad because we sorrow as humans, as mortal beings, but there was such peace. Even in her last days, in her battle, peace, their husband, kids. I want to live, I want to battle, I want to depart in peace. He concludes after grabbing baby Jesus, I can now do that. Now I can. I've seen the constellation of Israel. Got it. Figured it out. It all worked. I'm good. It's great. You're grand. That's the same peace that the Lord wants for you and for me. Uh, if you knew Janet and Jim, Lisa and Jeff Lackey and Michael, their sons, their kids. The memorial is not this Saturday. That's the men's conference. The memorial is the Saturday after, the 18th at 11 a.m., and it's going to be at the First Baptist Church. I'll be doing the service there. And even in talking with Jim and Lisa and the family, there's still peace. Let me just say it again. I just said it. Don't want you to miss it. There is sorrow, too, okay? Because this whole thing of death, departing, that wasn't part of the original plan. It aches us and pains us. In the day that you eat of this sin, Adam, or this fruit, Adam and Eve, you shall surely die. Death entered. And when death entered, Jesus, God showed up and promised and said, I will send my son, a savior, so you can depart in peace. The solution, the lamb of God who takes away the sins and the death of the world. And that's Jim's hope, holding on to it. Lisa's and Michael's, yours, Carol Corwin, myself. Simeon the man. Ah, I can now depart in peace. Look at verse 30. Here's his conclusion. For my eyes have seen your salvation. These are all attributes and descriptions of Jesus. Don't miss any of this. I don't have time to really click on this. Please do so yourself. My eyes have seen your salvation. That's what Jesus would bring. Not coaching, not just leadership, not inspiration. Saving. Which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. This is a Jew, about a Jew, to the Jews. And he's saying it's all people fulfilling the prophecies in the book of Isaiah, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, so much in there that without Jesus, you're in darkness, not light. Without Jesus, you have no revelation. You're making stuff up. And without Jesus, you're just a Gentile still wandering. But with Jesus, you too can be saved. He says in the last part of his prayer with baby Jesus in his arms, and the glory of your people, Israel. I like that. I wish more and more, and they will, more and more people of the nation of Israel would see the glory of their nation, which is Jesus Christ, their champion, their Messiah. Some have seen, some do know. There are Jews, a remnant, but by and large, they're blinded still to what Simeon said, that's the glory of our nation, Jesus Christ. And one day, every tongue, every knee shall bow, and all of Israel shall be saved, the Bible says, okay? God is not done with Israel. They will all be saved, how? Same way you got saved looking to Jesus and receiving him as your savior and Lord. Same way, same way. Simeon saw it. Simeon sees it. Then he says this in verse 33. Pay attention. Well, Joseph and his mother marvel at those things which were spoken of him. Just, again, we've talked at length about Mary and Joseph, normal kids, okay, teenagers, just living their lives. And all this is happening. Shepherds showed up, you know, 40 days earlier, angels, all kinds of stuff, and they're tripping. Like, this is nuts. 
not realizing Thomas Kincaid is making paintings of them, not really realizing Hallmark is going to make a billion dollars every Christmas on them. None of that made any sense to them. And now they walk into the temple to fulfill the law. No big deal. It's kind of a long journey. Had to walk here 40 days. Man, that was crazy. They walk in and Simeon's like, give me that baby. And he prays and they're like marveling. What's he saying? Like this is, it's just all correlating. Every time we go deeper with Jesus, there's more revealed. Every time there's confirmation. Every time we just got, come back to, and maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while and you had some aha moments, some big ideas, like whoa, and then it became normal again. And then you go to church and you hear something, whoa, and then it gets normal again. And then all of a sudden Jesus, whoa, and he just keeps revealing in your maturity, Mary and Joseph. And they marvel at this. I hope you are too. Ah, I pray I will. I pray we will continue to marvel at Jesus, that we won't grow weary in what we know. We won't grow wise in our own eyes. That's a steep hill down. These guys, they, they keep their hearts fresh, Mary and Joseph. And then Simeon speaks the truth here. Okay, I need you to catch this. At verse 34, then Simeon blessed them by saying this. This is considered a blessing. And he said to Mary's mother, behold, this child he is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. He knows who Jesus is and he knows what Jesus will do. He's the savior. That's awesome. But he also knows that Jesus is the boss. Okay? That he is both lion and lamb, the sacrifice. Simeon gets this. Not all Christians do. Most Christians for sure want Jesus to be the lamb, the way that we get to heaven, the one that takes away the sins. The lamb, lambs are kind of fun. Lambs are cute. You know, we drive by and we see lambs. If you were driving by on I-5, like we all do, and saw a herd of lions, no one would say, look, a herd of lions. Isn't that cute? But we see the lambs on I-5. You guys see those? Look at all those lambies. They're so cute. I got three little kids. Oh, dad, lambies. You know, we love lambs. Lions, though, we're like, roll up the windows, go faster, let's get out of here. Lions. Jesus, I'm the lion, too. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. And many are destined for the rising. That is, when you meet Jesus and fall on him, oh, broken. Oh, oh, Lord, 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 have mercy on me, a sinner. Please, Lord, please, don't kill me. And when you have that understanding of the fire in his eyes, you will not be broken, but you will be lifted up when you fall on him. But if you hear of him and reject him, which many do, if that is your reaction, heard about Jesus, whatever, not that impressed, you will fall under him and be crushed to powder. You will be destroyed. He will be the savior to some and the judge to others, not both. He will save some. In others, he will sentence to damnation. It's just the truth. Simeon could have given them a flowery message. Oh, this baby boy. May he be a blessing to you. May his diapers never swell. No, no. He said, this is, this. and your heart's gonna be busted up too, Mary. On that day, 33 years from now, your heart will be pierced even as your son's side is pierced with a javelin, with the spear of a Roman centurion, blood and water flowing out, ensuring his death. He was dead. 
Mary saw her son be filleted open. What? Why are you saying this, Simeon? It's kind of a cool day. <laughs> Why are you tripping? Why are you buzz killing me? Jesus will be the savior to some and the sentencer to others. This message is not what we lead with here at South Beach Church. Okay? A very heavy and high message of grace. We believe that grace changes all things. We believe that grace is the message of Jesus, that by grace you've been saved and not of works. That when grace is applied to sin, it teaches us to deny ungodliness and every worldly lust. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, 9, 10, and 11. We believe that. But grace is one side of the coin. The other side of the coin that Jesus came is truth. The truth. The truth. And when Jesus gives you his glory, the coin, he gives you both. Oh, grace. Grace. So much grace. Oh, more grace than you understand. Grace to change even me. But do not forget the truth. It's not optional. It's not universal. This is very important. The problem with the half message, a message of God's benevolence and kindness, generosity and goodness, his desire for you to be blessed, healthy, wealthy, and wise. You've heard this message maybe on TV, seen it around, the prosperity gospel. Okay, God is good and wants you to be blessed. That's true. That's half the truth. My, my problem with prosperity gospel teachers is not so much what they say, but what they don't say. What they fail to say. What they fail to remind us of. What they fail to bring to the truth. Simeon didn't fail this day. Oh, the light, salvation, revelation for all peoples. Ah, Mary and Joseph, listen carefully. Your son will be for the rise of many and the fall of many. He's gonna divide. <clears throat> there will be no middle ground. There will be for and against. Whoa, whoa, Simeon, calm down. No, because there will be no middle ground between heaven and hell, one or the other. It's that important, and God says, my grace will get you where you need to be but it is at a great cost. The message needs to be understood both, both and. Lion and lamb. I'll tell you what, you and I need to hear God's full word, the whole counsel. I encouraged a pastor recently locally in our town to teach through the Bible instead of just teaching from the Bible. I said, you know what you should do? You should teach through the Bible. Try it. He got really mad at me. And then he confessed to me later, he's like, I realized you were trying to help me. You weren't being a weirdo. I said, no, no, I want you to be blessed, and I want your congregation to be blessed. He said, so, so he did it. He tried it. He went through a book. He called me later. He said, this is crazy. This is crazy. He said, I'm having so much fun because I'm teaching on stuff that I would never choose to just grab and teach on. Things that are just, I, I would never teach on this stuff if it weren't forced upon me as you go through the whole counsel of God's word. The good, the bad, the ugly, and the great. All of it, it's all in there. And you need the full counsel of God's word. Unless you have your ears tickled, your back massaged. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. As a matter of fact, the movie, The Shack, is coming out. I think it's out right now here in Newport. 
A lot of people are excited about it. Let me just say this. The shack is not the full counsel of God's word, if any counsel of God's word at all, just so you know. Probably a good movie, entertaining. Okay, your popcorn will be awesome. The $9 you, it'll be fine. You can, you can go, that's fine. Just know this, it's not the, the Bible at all. At all, not even a little bit. It's fake, it's fictional. Just my pastor's heart to you. You wanna go see it, that's fine. It's probably a Hallmark movie, Lifetime special, whatever. It's not the Bible. It's distorted, it's mystical, it's new age. I liken it to the book of, or to the movie uh, Noah. Remember when Noah came out a couple years ago? I mean, let me just tell you how I felt about Noah. I loved that movie. Do you know why? Because I knew it wasn't the Bible. Okay? It was an entertaining movie with rock monsters that are not biblical. And so when I went, I ate my popcorn, I got a refill soda, like that was so fun. Everyone, and all the Christians I knew were like, oh, I can't believe it, I can't believe it. And I was like, what can't you, it wasn't, the director said he wasn't going to follow the Bible storyline. What are you expecting? It's not the Bible, it's a movie. And I just need to say, some people are deceived at this point into the shack thinking it's a great biblical movie. No, it's a great movie, maybe, I haven't even seen it. Not biblical though, it's, just, it's distorted, partial, okay, just my love and warning to you. Email me if you're offended. Use the email that I don't check, though. You'll feel better. At least you'll get that email out, you know? I'm kidding. Well, let's keep reading. There was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel. These are real people. Simeon. She's of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age. She's an old woman. She lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. She's a virgin until 15, 14, 16, 17. Doesn't say, 20, 22, we don't know. When she got married, she was married for seven years. And at seven years, her husband died. So was she 22 when he died? Most likely. It says then in this text here, in the scriptures, that she was of about 84 years, which means she's either 84 total or she'd been a widow for 84 years after seven years of marriage. Either way, she is old, regardless. She's classified as old, okay? Either way. Once you hit 84, you're old. If you're 106, you're still old. Well, she did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. Let me just speak to all of us, not just old people, but let's just examine this gal's life. I love her. She's a saint. Luke tells us her story so we might be encouraged. Her story, though, is a tough one. She's a child of God, and she's given a husband, and all things are going great, and after seven years, something unwanted happens, something unforeseen, devastation, loss. We know her story. It's right in front of us, but I'll tell you what. All of us are children of God, wanting to live for him and are given great blessings, but each one of us have also lost something. Something's been taken from us, or maybe we lost something in our own stupidity. Or there's loss, and this woman is the example that God's provided for us. What did she do in her brokenness? Did it turn into bitterness? She's left alone. If she was 22 when she died, in that custom, there were people commanded to actually take her as a wife, to marry her and care for her. If that weren't possible, even at 22, 25, even 30, chances are she could have found a husband. She didn't. She didn't. She's left alone. And instead of hitting the singles group, she went to the synagogue. 
Okay, instead of getting on Tinder, finding out who else is hot. She went to the temple. That's what she did. I mean, this chick's crazy. She's in the store. She made the book. Through loss, here's the deal. Your loss might be myopic and small, okay, on, on a daily. You show up to Starbucks in January, there's no more holiday drinks. <laughs> deal with it, you know, small stuff. Or maybe it's bigger than that. You apply for the loan, yeah, oh, you de declined. Oh, now what do we do? Or you apply for that job and you go through the second interview and they pick somebody else. Or maybe it's even worse, something fully out of your control. It's growing, it's swelling, it's, uh, I don't know, I don't know what to do. I've lost my health, lost my way, lost my joy. Whatever your loss is, this story is here for you and I to be encouraged, whether it's a small loss. And I, hear, me, hear my heart, I pray that we all only go through small losses moving forward. I just, I just pray that they're just small, just, just, you know, stuff. But let's just be honest, in your weakness, in your flesh, even your small losses tend to just wrap you around the axle, don't they? Even just your small stuff. You ordered that thing, said it would be here on Tuesday, not gonna show up till Wednesday. Are you kidding me? Are you for real? This is 2017. I paid extra shipping. I mean, do you get bent out of shape? Just, oh, I can't believe this, this. And I pray all your trials are small, very American, very dumb. But I know some of your trials will be very big. They will. We just know. And if your trial's not big, somebody you know's trial will be big and it'll be yours to bear with them. We glean from this gal, this woman. Instead of getting bitter, she went to the temple and became better. Not just once, not twice. She said, if this is who I am, then I'm gonna stick and stay and make it pay in my singleness, in my widowhood. If God would provide for me something else, I'll take it, but until then, I'm seeking his face. And I'm gonna make a dent in the kingdom of darkness. And I'm gonna make a way to the kingdom of heaven. And I'm gonna be available. And on this day, she walks in, and how does God bless her? Hey, wanna meet Jesus? Kind of a cool deal, <laughs> kind of a big deal going on here. And she gets to see Jesus. And immediately her response is very fruitful. She's thankful. She sees that he's the way. She's thankful for what God has provided. And her response is to go out and tell everyone. She's 84 years old or 106. Do the math. Read verse 38. We'll only go this far. I intended to go to verse 50. Whoops. <laughs> and coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him, that's Jesus, to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Are you for real? She walks in, sees what's going on in her pain. Sees Jesus clearly. Worships deeply. Speaks to all. That's what I want. How did she get afforded this? Major loss. Major hardship. Major test. Difficulty. She didn't run out to the casino. She didn't run out to whatever. You fill in the blanks. I'm gonna have Paul and the worship team come join me up here. She didn't take matters into her own hands. Somehow, through God's Holy Spirit, she was able to be a woman of prayer, 
a woman of purpose, a woman of dedication and devotion. You're going to have small setbacks this week, small ones. I pray only all small, just little guys, little guys. Wouldn't it be awesome in that you choose to pray, worship, just it's so practical. And don't be all Christian on me and say, yeah, well, that's easy. I do that. I'm going to do that. I should do that. No, listen, truly. Ask the Lord to apply this to your heart this week. That you would be one in your brokenness. That you would say, Lord, make me better. I want to be an overcomer through this. I didn't choose this. This chose me. And I'm going to win. I'm going to win. And God will do a couple things. He'll show you Jesus. Jesus will become real to you. In your time of prayer, your time of dedication, your time of discipline, Jesus will become real to you. That's what you want. And you will be thankful. That's what you need. And you will be useful then to the people around you who need to know why you're thankful, why you're trusting. It's so simple. There's really nothing new under the sun. Father, in Jesus' name, now as we come to your table, celebrate your broken body and your spilled blood. It's just another Sunday. But it's the day the Lord has made. And we want to invest in ourselves by eating of your bread and eating of your cup and reminding ourselves of your work and your worth and your effort for our lives that we might, Lord, be inspired and directed today. And if you're here today, I don't want to be corny and kooky. But if you're here today and you want to be like Anna in her dedication and her devotion, you just see the d- distraction, the temptation of the world. You're like, I don't want to do that. I-, I fear I will. I fear I will. And-, and you see Simeon. You think, man, that guy's crazy. Lived his whole life looking for the return and arrival of Jesus and we're instructed to do the same if you want to be like Simeon and like Anna you just want to you're convicted in your heart you might not be there yet I don't want anyone to stand that's not there yet because everyone else stands but if you're broken and you're thirsty and you're desirous of God's will and his glory and you know time is short and you know he's radical and you want all of it would you just simply stand up right now just stand up everyone else can just put a hand on you just stand up if you're uh, Simeon you want to be I'm not saying you are nothing special about you you just say I surrender you want to be like an Anna Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for your help to be your men, your women, old and young alike, surrendered and committed. Lord, make us steadfast, immovable, available for the things of God, not the things of our convenience, the things of man, the things of flesh, the things of temporary We are eternal spirits having a very temporary experience. May we make every sacrifice for the eternal, not the temporary. 
I speak to myself. Thank you, Jesus, for paying for all of our sins, setting us free. Holy Spirit, would you anoint us with great power, heavenly power, creation power, redemption power, resurrection power, to be the men and women that you called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.